Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. And if you're a first-timer, welcome aboard. And boy, uh, it just never ends in the NBA. Robert Long with my new co-host, Stephen Curran. And what do you know, just when you thought the offseason was over, you'd seen it all, the Rockets deal Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook. I'm sure everybody's heard about it by now, but the Rockets also send a 2024 and 2026 first-round pick, both of which are top four protected. They allow swapping rights for a 2025 first-round pick, which is a top four protected, and a 2021 first-round pick next year's first-round pick, or a year and a half's first-round pick, I guess, or I guess two years. I'm doing the math on this real quick. But that's a top 20 protected pick as well. And according to Woj, the Rockets hope to find a third-team destination for Chris Paul, preferably, but ultimately they leave it to Oklahoma City to execute the next step once general manager Sam Presti talks with Chris Paul's agent, Leon Rose. So that's the rundown, Stephen. I mean, you're just getting the word on this. What What's your first reaction? My first reaction, Robert, honestly, was I just, again, Harden comes out on top. This is, this is a case of Harden getting his way again. You know, he, he didn't want Dwight Howard. He got rid of Dwight Howard. You know, now it's, it's Chris Paul's turn. I, but I also think that, yeah, because, you know, when I first heard about the fact that the Rockets might be interested in Russell Westbrook, well, you know, we talked about it the other day on the show. My initial reaction was, I don't know. I mean, it, is he really going to be the one that's going to propel the Rockets forward? and help Harden win a championship. But at the same time, I think you made a good point when you mentioned the fact that uh, Russell Westbrook, you know, he's still got something left. And if you compare him to Chris Paul, you know, I, I honestly believe you can't do any worse. If you kept Chris Paul, who knows what you're going to get. He might be out half the season with an injury. He was obviously a step slower last year. At least with Russell Westbrook, the guy's still got some game. The biggest question, though, is what is James Harden going to do if Westbrook starts pushing him the way Chris Paul obviously tried to push him, the way others have tried to push him, and he's not going to like it? Then what? So that's really the biggest question for me. And, you know, Russell Westbrook, is he going to fit in with the Rockets from, you know, a style standpoint? I don't know. I mean, the, the Rockets really need some inside help, and I'm sure that they're still going to look for that. But Mike D'Antoni's never been afraid before to play small ball. So that's what you're going to get with Westbrook. So, yeah, this is this is obviously just come down, so we're doing this kind of off the cuff. We haven't had a lot of time to think about it, but those were my initial reactions. Has Daryl Morey lost his mind? <laughs> <laughs> well, some people probably think he has. Uh, but you know, this really, I guess if you think about it, it's not really a big surprise. He did say that, uh, he was going to do some dealing and that just about everybody was, was on the table. And I, I don't know. Th- I don't know but, about the, about the surprise element for me. It's just, you know, I, I knew this was a possibility. I just don't understand what he's been thinking this entire off season. Now the good news, I guess, is that he didn't trade every other asset so he could put together, Paul and Harden and Westbrook and have three of the worst defensive 
uh, players in the NBA on the court all at the same time, or at least from a good team, uh, I, I would say. But I, I just don't see how Westbrook and Harden work together. And as much as we said that, oh, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden, the people that thought that, like, oh, those two guys will never work together. Well, Daryl just said, wait a second. Uh, hold my beer because I'm going to give you <laughs> James Harden and Russell Westbrook because, I mean, look, Russell Westbrook, he was basically a 30% three-point shooter. He's never been a good three-point shooter. If James Harden and Westbrook are on the court at the same time and he throws the ball out to Russell, you know, he's wide open. What does he do? Is he going to take a bad shot? And, and what? who has the ball uh, in these situations with Chris Paul? He was sort of deferring to James Harden, and, and he could throw it to Chris Paul. And if Chris Paul's wide open, Chris Paul could knock it down. Russell Westbrook can't do that. My other big thing is that, yeah, he's a better player maybe at this point than Chris Paul in a lot of ways. Again, it's number one about the fit, but number two, now not only if it doesn't work, are you dying over the next three or four years because you're stuck in, in sort of cap hell and all of that, but now you're stuck in Cap Hill, Cap Hell for an extra year. Cap Hell, I think I said that right. Cap Hell, yeah, that's about right. I mean, that's what it would be. And that was my other thing is, yeah, you're, you're really piling up the money here with Westbrook. I, I think the numbers are the same the first three years, but now he, he's got an extra year. It's an option year, but you would assume right. it's $47 million. He's going to take it. But the other part about this, it's not just the Cap situation. It's not the money that if this thing doesn't work out in a few years, what you're left with is nothing because you just gave away two first-round picks, obviously, unless they're top four uh, in 2024 and 2026. But you also have that that swap rights in 20... So for three years, you know, you're either going to have no first-round pick or you're going to have maybe a weaker first-round pick, depending on how Oklahoma City's doing. So you've really put yourself behind the eight ball, not only for the beginning of the 2020s, but for the end of the 2020s. My question to Daryl Morey is this. What are you going to do if this doesn't work? What are you going to do if Russell Westbrook slams out or he and Harden get into it? They, they don't get along on the court. The chemistry isn't there. They don't get along off the court. You know, by the time that happens... Uh, how how many more times are you going to give in to your quote unquote star who keeps wanting this player, wanting that player when it doesn't work or wanting this player out, I should say, wanting this player trading, wanting this player out. You know, he's done this now several times. So what are you going to do if this doesn't work with Westbrook? I don't know if he wanted Paul out. I think it, my guess is Harden said, yeah, I get along with them. If you do the trade, I'm okay with it. And, you know, he looked at it as, well, Russell Westbrook is a better player than Chris Paul is right now. So so that was the situation. I would be surprised if it was just him going to, to Daryl, get rid of Chris Paul if you can. I, I don't see that as the case. Maybe not, but it, but I think it, it certainly could be implied. And and how many times did we hear when the Rockets got Chris Chris Paul Oh, you know, he and Harden, they, you know, they've been communicating. They're friends. They're going to be fine. You know, Chris Paul is a very intense player. Well, so is Russell Westbrook. And Harden just seems at some point in time, just seems to chase under that intensity when, when he is pushed. 
where he doesn't want to be pushed. So that would be my thing is, you know, how many more times are you going to give in to this guy? It, whether whether it's consciously or subconsciously. I'll, I'll try to look at this in a positive way for a second, if I can. It's going to be hard for me because I'm, I'm just not, number number one, I'm not a fan of the trade. Number two, I'm not a fan of Russell Westbrook. And, and even though Chris Paul had his moments that made you scratch your head uh, with how he, you know, would throw his fit sometimes at other players, at, at coaches over the course of his career. I always love to watch Chris, Chris, Chris Paul play basketball and, and the style of basketball that he played. Russell Westbrook style, uh, it, it, it was very frustrating for me to watch as a fan. You know, somebody that just was a, such a chucker but couldn't hit shots. You know, he, he did that. He also you know, held on to the basketball a lot like James Harden did, but unlike James Harden, he just wasn't anywhere near as efficient. And so, you know, it's hard for me to 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 go all positive, but you got two MVPs on the same team, technically. <laughs> Both guys yeah, have one true. MVP. You've got, you know, two of at one point, I think just like within the last like two or three years ago, you would have said these were two of the ten best players in the NBA, maybe two of the eight best players of the NBA. Now, now we're starting to see uh, Westbrook maybe fall down that list. Maybe he's, uh, maybe he's top twenty. Maybe he's lower than that. I don't know where he fits in the hierarchy, but I, I don't think he's in the top ten because now you look at, you know, guys like Giannis and Kawhi and uh, Steph Curry and you know just a ton of guys now. Even even you could say LeBron if if he's old LeBron. Uh, or even the LeBron that we saw from last year, uh, he's still, I think, better than than Russell Westbrook. And you know, you you could even throw out guys like Anthony Davis and uh, Joel Joel Embiid and and even Paul George. But it, it's it's so difficult for me to think that they're not going to at least win fifty games with these two guys. I just don't see how it works in the playoffs because I don't t- trust. Stephen, either one of these two guys with the basketball in their hands late in ball games. Well, and and the other silver lining I think you hit on earlier, I think you nailed it, is they still they, they didn't give up the assets that we've been talking about this whole offseason. They still have Clint Capella. They still have Eric Gordon. Uh, and And maybe, just maybe, at least for this first year, a change of scenery is what Russell Westbrook needed. Maybe he'll have an inspired season. But like you, though, Robert, I'm I'm a little shaky when it comes to the playoffs because now you have not one but two players on the Rockets where everybody says, yeah, but when they get to the playoffs, they do this, they do that. They haven't won a championship. They flame out. They flounder. So, you know, it, it, it's Harden. <laughs> Everybody's been on his back about that. Well, Maybe some some of that might switch to Russell Westbrook, and it'll be both of them. So it'll be interesting to, to see. But yeah, I think the regular season, I, I still think the Rockets are one of the top four or five teams in the NBA, despite how everything has played out this off season, and at least on paper. Uh, I don't think they. I certainly don't think they've gotten any worse in that regard. But it's the postseason that everybody's going to be expecting them to go higher and higher, and if they don't then you're going to be blaming not one, but two players who have, quote-unquote, traditionally flamed out in the postseason. The record is these two guys have gotten along in the past on the same team, but James Harden, I I will also throw out there, is a different player. And 
has a different ego than he probably did early in his career when he was finding his way with Oklahoma City and Russell Westbrook. The best investment that this team can make, Stephen, is maybe uh, two or three psychologists and, and, and put them in a room with Harden and Westbrook and maybe throw D'Antoni in that room and figure out what you guys are going to do, how this is going to work, you know, how these guys are going to uh, deal with who's got the ball late in games. Um, because I think even with Russell Westbrook and, and when he was working with uh, Kevin Durant and Paul George, those guys were willing to, you know, Russell Westbrook can have the ball. And then I'll get the ball eventually, and that's fine. I don't know how well that works with James. I just don't. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, they they did adhere to him, but James James is James. You know, he he tends to be the one that that wants to be in the action. So that it is going to be interesting how that plays out. Hey, maybe the Rockets can borrow AJ Hinch when the Astros are done with their season, and he can use that uh, psychology degree from Stanford to maybe do something. I don't know, but that's. Yeah, it'll, it, it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the postseason turns out just as much, if not more, than the regular season. I'm trying to remember off the top of my head, but I thought there was a story that came out in the last few days or a couple of weeks that Kevin Durant's, I don't know if it was his agent or his friend, but somebody came out and said, uh, no way Kevin Durant ever wants to get near Russell Westbrook. And, and, and I, I think he was speaking for not just uh, Russell or not just Kevin Durant, but but other players around the NBA. Uh, we, we could talk about more about this uh, over the course of the offseason. We're, we're going to have to kind of roll this around in our heads, right, Stephen? Try to figure this yeah. stuff out. It's going to take a few days because just like, you know, last week when we woke up one morning and all these deals and trades and signings happened in the NBA, I've decided, Robert, that I, I've got a new slogan for you. You know, New York, is the city that never sleeps. Well, the NBA is the league that never sleeps, apparently, because it, this is like 24-7 almost. Last thing I, was, I will say, and then I got one other thing, is the good news is Russell Westbrook, his health has been better over Chris Paul's health. So maybe, you know, you don't have to worry about that deal where Chris Paul is going to miss 20 games during the year. You also have uh, Russell Westbrook being able to play more than – 30, 30, 33 minutes a game if necessary, because, you know, he doesn't have the injury problems. He, he doesn't have the age problems, but, you know, he's at that point in his career where uh, somebody with just athletic ability and not skill necessarily as a shooter, uh, where does he go in, in the next uh, two, three years, two or three years down the road as, as his, uh, as his athletic ability starts to, to fall off. But, you know, he's, he's, you know, I think he's what, barely 30, something like that, Stephen? Yeah, yeah. So it's he still should be good for, I would say, three more years. And and then I think that's that's the point where it starts to get tricky. But, you know, there's there's only like, what is it, four more years on his contract or something like that. So Well, and the Rockets are clearly playing for the here and now. So that, that actually fits in. Right. Well, before we close things out, just a quick non-NBA item. On Wednesday night, former Astro pitcher, uh, way back in the day, Jim Bouton passed away at 80 years old. He only pitched two seasons for the Astros back in 69 and 70. And of course, Bouton, famous and sort of infamous for writing the first baseball tell-all book, Ball Four, uh, for our younger listeners. Uh, and there were a couple of good Astros stories from that book, but the headline stuff was the Yankees and Mickey Mantle's drinking and some 
kind of not very me too clubhouse pranks and women womanizing and and baseball scuffing and you know the other thing is I mean Steven he was a damn good player early in his career in his first full season in the majors with the Yankees he made the all-star team he had a 2.53 ERA and and 21 wins but you know, this guy goes what what he did is well beyond baseball. Well, that's right. I mean, he's known for the probably best known for the book, but he was a good pitcher. And what a lot of people may not know, uh, especially for for some of the younger listeners, is that was really probably the the first official quote unquote tell all book about baseball. You know, that in the in the days, I mean, we we know about Babe Ruth and his carousing and things of that nature. I mean, that, that's pretty legendary. But for the most part, sports writers and the media protected a lot of these players decades ago. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't even dream of something like that now with all the hype that surrounds these players and the media coverage. But there was a time that the media actually protected a lot of these players from themselves, or at least from a publicity standpoint. Jim Bouton changed all that. When he came out with that book, he received, obviously, as you might expect, a lot of flack for it. And a lot of people may not know this, but he actually wrote a second book after that called, Believe It or Not, I Hope You Didn't Take It Personally, which was, I, I guess, not really an apology because he, he told some more interesting stories in that book from what I've, from what I've heard. But yeah, he, he certainly changed the course of baseball in the sense of what people knew and what they didn't know. Yeah, in his book, he he did say some interesting stuff about a couple of Astros players. He quoted Norm Miller, and there were some uh, real characters on the team that he played with the Astros. But he quoted Norm Miller as saying that uh, it had been, Norm said, basically it had been his long ambition to sit in a laundry bag. He thinks if he did and pulled the string tight over his head, it would be very quiet and peaceful. Oh, yeah. And he said about Doug Rader that, uh, quote, he feels... He's living out of time and out of place. He thinks he would have been much happier as a Tahitian warlord or even a pirate. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, I haven't read that book in a long time. I think I need to go back and read it. I, I, I read it as a teenager, and I'm not going to tell you how long ago that was. So, yeah, so I'll have to go back and look at some of those stories. Yeah, quick story, just a personal story for me. So, Bouton was basically exiled from Yankee Stadium for 28 years. His book didn't make a lot of friends with the Yankee organization, as you can imagine. But in 1998, his son Michael wrote this heartfelt piece on Father's Day about his dad asking George Steinbrenner to to forgive Jim. Uh, A few weeks later, Bouton was welcomed back to Yankee Stadium on Old Timers Day. And by pure coincidence, I was there. It was my very first trip to Old Yankee Stadium. And when I walked up to the will call window, I saw an old man that looked familiar who was surrounded by bodyguards. As soon as I saw his profile, I knew that the old man was Joe DiMaggio. So that was pretty cool. As it turns out, it was uh, his second to last time that DiMaggio would enter Yankee Stadium because he died a few months later. But back to Bouton, as he warmed up to face Joe Jay Johnstone in the old timers game, the stadium scoreboard flashed and big letters. Thanks, Michael. Love dad. And of course that was Bouton returning the favor to his son for, you know, kind of thanking him for helping make amends with the Yankees. So there's a really cool moment at Yankee stadium that, that I got to be there for Bouton, a, a memorable mo- moment in, in Yankees history and in Bouton's life. 
And also, uh, and you you know this one, Stephen, too, right? It, he was the inventor of Big League Chew, you know? As, That's it, right. That's right. And, and as our young listeners may not know, I mean, this was a deal where every kid, and I mean every kid who was a baseball fan, knew this commercial by heart. You're in the big league when you make a perfect fly. You're in the big league when you keep the dream alive. You're in the big league when you pluck a star or two. You're in the big league when you're in the big league too. Big league chew, man-sized wads of great-tasting shredded bubble gum stuffed into a giant Stay Fresh pouch for big league flavor and big league bubbles. It's big league chew. You're in the big league. Oh, yes. Wonderful memories. I'd forgotten about that commercial, actually, until you just played it. Yeah, it's uh, it was just it was ubiquitous. I mean, we all do it, do it. I mean, as a kid and as you know, you're playing Little League, you're probably singing it to your friends or something like that. But yeah, Bouton, um, he goes well beyond baseball and, you know, just not only a former Astro, but you know, all of the great stories that, that he told about the players. And uh, it, it was a, a risky thing, and I it probably didn't make a, a lot of friends through it. But, you know, it, it's uh, it, he'll, he will forever be remembered for, for that uh, beyond his baseball career. You know, and he, he's got a championship ring, and, you know, that, that's pretty cool, too, with the Yankees. That's more than a lot of players can say. So <laughs> there you go. Well, that's all we got for this one. Uh, we'll have more on the Astros in the next few days and what the latest with them. And they might be needed making some deals of their own pretty soon. I think that's coming. Yes. Yeah. We got to get into that, but thanks so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, Steve. And we'll, we'll talk to all you guys a little bit later, next few days. You're listening to Houston sports talk. Don't forget to follow Houston sports talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.